how do you reach out to your clients in a market right now where interest rates are terrible? I don't want to be having these bad conversations because I feel responsible. And that's what I mean about don't internalize. I feel a lot of mortgage agents today are internalizing the current economic environment that we're in today and feeling almost ashamed or feeling responsible for the situations that most Canadians are in today in this high inflationary environment. So, you know, what I said to this mortgage agent was, you are not responsible for interest rates rising and you have to stop internalizing it and beating yourself because interest rates have risen. Your job is to provide solutions in the current environment. Your job is not to sit there and beat yourself up because now the clients are feeling financial stress because there's no way you could have known the current interest rate environment that we're in today. And I think as mortgage agents, we hesitate to reach out to clients when times aren't great because we internalize that as shame and we take the blame on ourselves as opposed to reaching out to them just to say, hey, I care and empathize with people. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Today on the show, Francis Hinojosa. We are longtime friends, and I wanted to have her on again to check in, see how things are doing. Today, we talk about toxic positivity. What does that even mean? We talk about being resourceful. We talk about how negative news and not internalizing things. Really, it's about how to handle sort of the mindset and psychology of the current challenging market. Also, I talked to, on the Ask the Expert segment, Jeff Hill from SureX about building strategic partnerships. And uh, before we jump into that, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform designed specifically for Canadian borrowers and brokers. Very easy to use. It's got some really cool features built in like smart docs. It knows what documents your client needs. It's connected to Lender Spotlight, which means that you can search all the rates and guidelines. Check them out at lendesk.com slash Finmo and check out this conversation with Francis. Hey, Francis, welcome to the show. I guess it's good afternoon for me and good morning for you. Yeah. I'm looking at uh, the time. Thanks for coming to chat with me. And we connected recently again, and I was like, we got to talk. And I just love your perspective on things. And one in particular thing that you had said was this idea of toxic positivity that, you know, this is a challenging market. Ask some people, I'm like, no, everything's amazing. Like, really? Really? Everything's you're selling, like, you know, two and three year terms, your commissions down, volumes down. And so I'd love to have a discussion with you about how you navigate being realistic, but at the same time, not getting fatalistic, right? Realistic without being fatalistic is kind of the idea. So tell me about what do you mean by toxic positivity first? Maybe we'll start with that. Well, you know, a lot of people always say, Fran, you're always so positive. And I try to correct them and say, I'm a positive person, but I'm also realistic. So realistic optimist, which means that I'm optimistic about what the solutions are. Let's focus on the environment that we're in today. I'm realistic based upon, you know, the environment that we're in today, but I'm positive in the sense that I know that there's opportunities out there for brokers to serve in this marketplace. And it's a matter of being realistic in the environment, but pivoting your mindset that you don't get stuck in this sort of spiral and being naive to the fact that there are problems going on or there are challenges or difficulties 
in your business today, but how do you address those difficulties and how do you use that to sort of pivot and recalibrate and refocus of where you want to focus your attention and succeed moving forward? But I think if you sit there and saying, you know, everything's great, nothing to see here, then you're encroaching on almost being a positive, but you're being naive in a sense. Right. And hoping you know, or delusional or hoping that, you know what, it's funny, you know, I'm of the older set. I'm encroaching on almost turning 50. But it's interesting when I see the younger generations and the differences. And I'm all about understanding different generations and where people have grown up because I really do believe it affects your mindset and the way you're thinking. I'm a Gen Xer. Me too. And knowing that, right, you are let's too. Let's go. So, well, let's go. Gen Xers. I think we're in the best generation because we truly, you know, any Gen Xer you talk to, our parents grew up in a time that's very similar to today, right? Like they grew up in, you know, recessionary times. They grew up with very, very, very high unemployment. There was a lot of immigration during that time as well in the early 70s. So our generation really grew up as these latchkey kids. Like we had to figure out from a young age sort of how to take care of ourselves in different situations and be realistic as to mm-hmm. what the environment is that we're in today. So we had to be a lot more resourceful. What I'm finding is the younger generation, great for them, but you've got to remember that they've grown up in a time where it's been an abundance of ultra low interest rates. Everything has been glorious for the last almost decade to two decades. They've never had to be in this sort of interest rate environment or this working environment today. So this is brand new to them. Understanding that and understanding people's mindsets and where they're coming from allows you to better serve your clients at the end of the day and have more realistic conversations with them, which ultimately are positive conversations because people want authenticity and people truly want to know the truth and people want to know that you see them, you hear them and you understand them. And you can provide them with solutions moving forward. Right. You know, I remember like even just my kids, I always think how like they get rides everywhere. They get like, you know, my son has to wait for 20 minutes. He's like, oh, and I remember like, well, because with technology, you can message him. No, everybody is. But I remember Shannon was telling me how like her brother, their parents would forget him at the hockey arena and he didn't have a phone. So he would have to get on the, the payphone and he would go call collect and like it would say hey do you want to collect call from hey mom it's me you forgot me at the arena can you pick me up and then she'd be like hang up she wouldn't actually answer the phone she'd hang up the phone but it would be like that's how you got the message that's being resourceful like i gotta get picked up from the arena because they forgot me here and you literally had to leave a one of those voice you know will you accept the collect call from hey you forgot me the arena can you pick me up and then the parent hangs up the phone and comes and gets you you know nowadays it's like texting messaging and and I love the technology. Like I think it's fantastic. So I don't, I'm not making, but at the same time, no, I, I feel like people are becoming less resourceful in some ways because we're just not having to, you know, problem solve like we used to, right? Less resourceful, less connected. The way I see technology today is they're using technology as a crutch and saying, okay, if I set up all these, you know, wonderful technology hacks onto my system, I should be getting tons of business in, correct? Yeah. Maybe, possibly. But here's the difference in the conversion and what the markets are showing us today that's vastly different than where the markets were even in the last two years, maybe even arguing this decade. Clients now need to know that you understand them and you see them. No longer are they when they say to you they're looking for the lowest rate. And the panic in their voice, what they're looking for is actually cash flow. They need help in budgeting and understanding 
and dispelling the fear that's being sort of shoved into their face every single day. The difference yeah. in the markets that we see today compared to the past. Like Scott, when I started in doing mortgages, I mean, this we're going almost three decades ago. And I mentioned this on a couple of podcasts. If you do this reflection, I remember not even having an email address when I started. Email didn't even exist. Right. You know, tell me how old you are without telling me how old you are. Email didn't even exist. There was voice. I didn't email until like my last year in high school, I think, is when we were like, oh, what is it? And hardly anybody had them. So it was just a, you know. I remember when yeah. the bank gave us an email address and I'm like, I got to figure out how to use this. And I got my first email. I mean, voicemails were on a landline. Like when you left at five, you left at five, you weren't bringing work home with you. We're less connected in real life, even though we're more connected in digital life. We are, because if you notice right now, how many people hide behind technology, even with like not faulting on lenders and not even finding like communication is lacking. I'm still in the old school thought that I like having actual physical bare minimum phone conversations with people to ask questions and do a deeper dive into understanding and having that curiosity of why things are working and things aren't working. That's one thing. But I mean, technology too, what it's done as well, what it's doing to the mindset of the consumer out there is you got to remember right now, their algorithms are, you know, if they're concerned about mortgages and they're searching it, then all of a sudden what's happening is their algorithms are actually feeding them that news information constantly 24 seven. Right. That was not around 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So you really, as a broker today, have to become the viable source. You have to be a counselor when it comes to guiding them through. You have to be a lot more empathetic than you were in the past. I feel that human beings, after what we've gone through as a world collectively with COVID, and now rapidly shifting into a high inflationary time, you know, people are coming out of that with, you know, traumatic experience and high levels of stress and almost being thrown into now another scenario, which is causing high levels of stress as well. They have to be able to rely on you as a broker to be more of a consultant and have that compassion and the ability to listen to them as opposed to just converting a transaction and just being an interest. Right. Yeah. And I think empathy right now is a big thing would be a superpower the way you show up with your clients is curiosity and compassion how are you doing right now like you know even a conversation like hey look you know i've noticed some of my clients have reached out they've really been struggling with you know just cash flow and stuff and there may be some strategies to help and i'm just checking in see how you're doing like no matter what who's not going to be like no i'm good or no you know what i am a little stressed what are are some options we can look at and empathy it's hard to do that like you make it through a message but i still think feel like on the phone or you can pick up tonality you can pick up you know, whereas I've always found, I don't mind video to some degree, but I still think that there's still something about getting on a phone call and having a real conversation with someone. I know I saw my buddy Ryan recently post, so he thinks the phone's dead. I don't think it is. Like, I, this is where I disagree with him. And I think that even all the social media stuff you do is always to just get somebody on the phone anyway. Like the whole purpose right. of all this is at some point you're getting them on the phone. So just get them on the phone and then have a conversation. Right. So I feel like that phone is not dead. It's definitely not dying. I think it's still a technology that, or it's still a tool because of the ability for you to really connect with somebody. You can hear them, you can hear their tone, so much more than just you know, words on a screen. You know, I, I, I agree with you, Scott. Like how many times have you read an email and read it in a certain tone in your head? Because we all have that voice reading in the head. Yeah. And then you go back to it, right? And then yeah. you reread it and you're like, oh, they didn't actually 
say what I think they said. Because 100%. to your point, you're missing that tonality in the conversation. Your judgment is getting clouded by the day that you're having around you. And you could be taking things a million different ways the wrong way. Yeah. And I agree with you. I would disagree with that. I don't believe as human beings, we crave to be connected with energetic beings. I've said this for years and years and years. There's something to be said about the connection with one another and just feeling that energy. It's like you and I picking up the conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago. I would guess through that conversation, you're like, I really enjoyed that conversation. You know what? We need I to did. We need to talk again. again. We need to talk again. That's exactly talk what happened. Again. Yeah. We talk again. But there's a difference that when we first started messaging each other, you don't get that same energy out of the messaging that you do with having a conversation. Now, amp that up because we are able to see people face to face. Now, I'm not necessarily talking to clients, but I'm talking to, you know, agents today, if they're looking at improving their business, you know, the number one thing that I've always been saying, and I've said this numerous times in the last year, is take the time to build relationships. And I think we forgot to do that. And part of it, building relationships is actually being able to see someone and look them dead on straight in the eye and make that energetic connection to communicate. And we see memes on this. It's like, you seem cool. I seem cool. We should work together, right? Those are the best relationships. Those are the most harmonious relationships. It doesn't come down to your product offering, your interest rate. It comes down to, you know what? Scott, I like you as a mortgage broker. I trust you. We gel. We have a lot of commonality. I feel that energetic connection. Yeah, you're my guy that I'm going to refer my clients to. True goal as an agent is to build that energetic connection with all your referral partners. And you won't be doing that by pitching product rate or, yeah. or you know, what you do because you're a dime a dozen out there. You're just talking about a company. And, and we all sell the same products. At the end of the day, they can get the same product from you as me. So it's going to come down to, do I trust this person? Do they understand me? And, you know, we're in a highly emotion charged time for people, a lot of stress. And so this is where we need to be reaching out. And so back to this idea of like, you've got a bunch of agents that work for you guys at your company. And if they come to you and they're like, I'm struggling right now, what are some of the things that you are either pointing them in the direction of, or how would you coach them? Imagine I'm one of your agents and I'm like, Francis, my volume's down. I'm making less money. I'm stressing out here. Like, what would your conversation with me look like if I'm that person? I would start off by saying, when did you notice a shift in your business? When so did it start? I'm going to role play this with you. So let's say I was like 10 months ago. I noticed a real, you know, all of a sudden it was like, wow, what happened? The music okay, stopped so at the party. Music stopped at the party. What have you been doing in the last 10 months? Well, first I was resting because it was been so busy that honestly, I was a little bit grateful for the break. But then now. I'm, and that's I'm, good. Yeah. But now yeah. I've got to get going again. And I'm not feeling like I want to get going. I'm not sure what, like I'm a bit reluctant to start again. Okay. Now, why do you feel reluctant? Tell me I, about those feelings. What is it? I'm, so I'm going like? to project here a little bit of what I've heard. So I'm basically pretending yeah. to be, it's not actually the situation, but it's not you actually, it's not me, yeah. but I'm going to, I'm going to do my best acting job of training what I've seen. And so some of the things I've heard are sort of like, I feel like my prospecting is not is like, I haven't had to do it for the last three years. I wasn't prospecting. All I was doing is telling people yes or no. And if they wouldn't follow my process now, it's not like that. You know, now I don't right. have so many files on my desk that I can turn two away and not worry about it. So right. I feel like my prospecting is definitely, it's like a muscle that's gotten weak. Okay. What is it about prospecting that you are hesitating moving into the scene? 
Tell me about that feeling. What are you feeling? I, I would say I feel, without sounding arrogant, I feel like I'm at stage in my career, why should I have to prospect anymore without sounding rude, right? Like no, I've been doing no. this long and I got a big network and database of so why should I be prospecting? And the second is, is that I feel like I haven't prospected. So then are people going to feel weird now all of a sudden? Oh, now that you're reaching out because you weren't reaching out when you had business. Now you're reaching out all of a sudden. So I feel a little bit that way, a little bit like shame of like, oh, I didn't stay in touch, but now I have to. And so there's that too. Okay. So how long have you been doing this again? Remind me again. We're going to call you Scotty P. Scotty P. Scotty yeah, P. You- uh, since yeah. 2006. So, which is actually true. 2006. Okay. So it's been a while and you haven't kept yeah. in touch with your clients. What do you well, think not in the last few years, because the last few years, it's just been chaos, right? Just crazy. Which has been chaos. Yeah, it's been super, super busy. Okay, so you do have prospects that you could be reaching out to because you've been doing this since 2006, right? Like, yeah. you don't need to have a thousand different people to send business to you. So the good news is, where you should kind of give yourself power back, is you have an extensive network of individuals that have already worked with you and that love you. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah, I would say. Yeah, that's true. Okay. And when your clients worked with you, how did they feel after the transaction? What do you think? Were they happy? Were they same person? You know, you get the odd file that still feels like falling downstairs. You know, it's like, and then you falling down another flight of stairs. You're like, what the heck happened on this one? But you know, in general, they're good. Now, if you were the client. And all of a sudden, your mortgage broker checked in just to see, hey, I, you know what? I was thinking about you. And I know, you know, a lot of clients these days with the headlines that they're seeing are concerned about the high inflationary times. You know, I'm doing complimentary reviews just to do a check-in to see if there's anything that we need to rejig on your mortgage. Because we've been very fortunate in the last decade, interest rates have been in an ultra-low environment. And now that things have pivoted, a lot of individuals are looking into under the hood and seeing you know, is there anything I could be doing better or not? I don't know if this is for you, but would you be interested in sitting down and having a check-in? Would that be something that you'd be comfortable in doing? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that like, who's going to be offended by that? Hey, I, you may need some help. Can I help you out? Like who's not going to be open to that conversation, right? Right. But it's all about the wording, right? So yeah. people again, want to know that you're coming from a place of service as opposed to a place of sale. And that is a big difference of what we've seen in the past couple of years, because to your point, business was so fast and furious. You could pick and choose if you were an established broker of what you wanted to work on and what you didn't want to work on and what was outside of your wheelhouse, whereas now things seem to be different, but are they really? Because I'm a firm believer that you shouldn't be working on files that is not in your wheelhouse just because you're desperate for business. Because then you're no longer coming from a place of service. You're coming from a place of sale. And that's not where you're going to be successful. So, you know, what I would be saying, you know, we could keep going. But basically, the way I would coach this agent. This was great. So, like, it was like, basically, what I saw you do is you asked me a bunch of clarifying questions, help reshift my mindset to go back to service, and then highlighting some of the things, some opportunities that I had right in front of me. And I feel like that's what people need to be doing right now. They really need to be wherever they're getting coached or if it's a friend or have the conversation with yourself, like if you have to, colleague that you trust, there's a mindset shift that needs to happen. Because if we genuinely cared about our clients, we would be reaching out to all of them if we genuinely cared. And some of them, it might just be like, there's nothing we can do, but man, I'm here for you. If you ever need anything, that alone would make them go, wow. They genuinely are not just trying to sell me stuff because I think that that is how you have to approach this current market. And you will find opportunities from it. That shouldn't be the purpose. 
it shouldn't be the purpose. And I think the biggest skill set as mortgage brokers that you can develop is learning the skill of not internalizing things. Okay, I'm going to get really specific on this. I'm going I'm to I'm yeah. give you an example on this, and I'll give you a real-life scenario. So when National Mortgage Conference last year in Vancouver, I moderated the broker panel. I don't know if you were there or if you were calling the I think so. I was, I was yeah, so I moderated the broker panel. They were fantastic, the panelists on it. After that you know, stage, the session was done. I had a mortgage agent somewhere in Canada come up and approach me and started asking me questions on that and, and saying exactly that. How do you reach out to your clients in a market right now where interest rates are terrible? I don't want to be having these bad conversations because I feel responsible. And that's what I mean about don't internalize. I feel a lot of mortgage agents today are internalizing the current economic environment that we're in today and feeling almost ashamed or feeling responsible for the situations that most Canadians are in today in this high inflationary environment. So, you know, what I said to this mortgage agent was, you are not responsible for interest rates rising. And you have to stop internalizing it and beating yourself because interest rates have risen. Your job is to provide solutions in the current environment. Your job is not to sit there and beat yourself up because now the clients are feeling financial stress because there's no way you could have known the current interest rate environment that we're in today. Yeah, and I no, think as mortgage agents, we hesitate to reach out to clients when times aren't great because we internalize that as shame and we take the blame on ourselves as opposed to reaching out to them just to say, hey, I care. Yeah. And advise with people. I've said this to clients a lot. You know what? This is shit. No one wants to pay more. I don't want to pay yeah. more. But the conversation should be, are we having a conversation today because you can't pay more? Because you don't want to pay more. And those are two different conversations. Right. And you start there. Yeah. And then you, really you pigeon off and you explore. But very much like you saw with the coaching session, you ask questions. Questions are key. Yeah. You know, I used to be a paramedic and my old boss who taught me a ton, Glenn Weinman, shout out to you if you ever listen to these. And he used to always say, you didn't cause the mess, you're just there to help. And I use it all the time, even in my yeah. firm. And I quote you, I says, as Scott says, you didn't cause the problem, you're here to help. Right. I'm in variable mortgages. And so I was a mortgage agent and I'm reaching out to my clients and they're kind of feeling stressed. We made the best decision that we could at the time with the information we had. The information obviously that's changed. I think anyways, you can't take full ownership of that because well, that's the things that happens. Because again, if you look over the last decade, that would have been the right call, right? Or even over the last 15 years, a lot of times it is, would have been for me anyway. But in any case, and even if it is, then it's still better to show up with them and be like, hey, how are you doing? You know what? I wanted to just reach out and check in. And it will make you a better broker. It'll make you more empathetic. It will be better for you and your clients. I agree. I think the worst thing you could do in this environment is hide as a broker. Oh, you have don't, to be. Don't, the, the, don't. When things are bad, you have to be more visible, not less. You have to be way more totally, visible. Totally. Totally. Don't go hide now and wait for the good times to roll in. Because trust me, by that point, your clients are going to have moved on. If you are not visible and you're not around, when the times are tough, why the hell would they rely on you when times are good? And that's, that's where really a lot good. of brokers have to think about. Yeah, that's really good. Hey, Francis, this has been a great chat. And the next episode, we're going to go to a different topic. But thanks for coming to chat with me. And hopefully you guys found this useful. And if you know Francis, reach out to her. Give her a shout. Thank you, Scott. 
Hey, thanks again for listening to that. And uh, hopefully you left with some, you know, ideas or inspiration on how to overcome this current market. I think this market does pose some a lot of challenges, but there's also some opportunities in those challenges. And it's all about our mindset and what we're looking for. Uh, in this next segment, I'm going to be talking to Jeff Hill about how to build strategic partnerships. Hey, Jeff, welcome back to Ask the Experts. Thanks. Good to be here again, Scott. So even though you guys specialize in home and property insurance and auto insurance, you built a great business. And one of the strategies that you and I have talked about is this idea of you find the person who has your ideal client avatar and you build a relationship with them. And then from that, it turns into a whole bunch of business. And I've seen mortgage brokers do this and we'll talk about that. So there's a great book called The Dream 100. If you guys are interested in this topic and you basically make a list of your Dream 100 clients who can change your world they often will have your ideal client. And then the key is to go build relationships. You guys have been doing this very effectively. I'd like to hear some of the things that you've learned doing this, and then we'll tie it into how brokers can apply this. So this is not going to be about insurance. It's going to be more of a lead gen thing that we can discuss. So why don't you talk to me about that? Yeah, for sure. Obviously, a big part of my job, I am the VP of Business Development here at Surex, and I oversee all our affiliate partnerships. And affiliate partnerships with mortgage brokers through our integrations in Finmo and Filologics are huge. But we also have a pretty diverse group of affiliate partners who are sending their clients over to Surex to get home and auto quotes. And it's exactly what you said in that book. It's going out and analyzing the market and saying, what are some verticals? What are some industries where my services can bring value to that partner? Because it's one thing to go to just everybody and say, hey, if you know anybody, send me their leads. It's another thing if you can actually add strategic value to either their sales process or their product offering where they are getting a tangible benefit from the partnership. Right. So, okay. Give me an example. You guys have got some great partnerships with financial planning firms. So what kind of value add? And obviously there's small, like there are opportunities for some referral sides, but it's not like, you know, massive, but what would be some of the other reasons why financial planners are one of your guys' bigger referral partners that you see? Financial planners have been amazing for us. And there's a couple reasons. Obviously, we are an ability for a financial advisor, especially if it's a middle class, middle of the road, you know, average net worth type of financial advisor. We provide an opportunity to potentially save some money for their clients and that they can use those savings to put towards their core offerings. So they'll sit down with the client and saying, hey, you know, you should be investing more. And they say, oh, our budget's tight. Well, what if I could save you some money on your home and auto insurance? And we've had a lot of crazy examples. I'll give you a recent one of an agent out in Saskatoon who was sat down with her client. She said, hey, we're trying to save you some money. We were able to save her $200 a month on her home insurance. Now that doesn't happen for everybody, but what that allowed this agent to do is take that $200 a month and put that towards her core business, topped up her life insurance, put it towards you know investment portfolios. And now she's getting more investment money for her core business from a savings that we were able to provide. So she's got a happy client, they saved some money, and now she's building her business through being able to save money. So that's one strategy. Obviously, another big one is, you know, a financial independent advisor, they're kind of scared of the banks, and they want to make sure that they're keeping their clients away from the big five. And so that's another way we can provide some value is giving them an ancillary service that they might get from a TD or an RBC. And so now they are protecting that client by adding those additional products and services so that they can get the total package from their existing financial advisor. 
Right. So that would be the second thing. So first is maybe save money. Second is protect the relationship. What else has been helpful for you guys working in relationships with these financial planners? Uh, there's a high growth financial advisor and they're recruiting people and they might not be in the industry, you know, so they're working towards getting a life license or a securities license. One of the things they can do is they can go out and get home and auto referrals and kind of start working on how to sell, how to position themselves in the marketplace. They can get paid on those home and auto referrals as they work towards licensing. So a lot of high growth that are taking people in from out of industry and training them up, we've been able to provide them value by giving them path to some revenue as they're working towards licensing and be kind of an integrated into the training. And for somebody that's new to sales or new to that world, it gets them kind of out of their comfort zone and talking about something like home and auto insurance, which is a lot easier to approach somebody with than maybe life insurance. People right. love to tell you how much they save on their auto insurance. Talking about dying, probably a little less enthusiastic to do so. So that's yeah, been that's another true. benefit. Okay. And then, so financial advisors, go back to this Dream 100 list. Who else has been great partners for you guys? We have several integrations with auto dealerships. Auto dealerships are fantastic because once you've sat down and agreed and said, hey, I want to buy this car, the dealership's trying to get you in and out of that dealership as quick as possible. And traditionally, one of those roadblocks has been getting an update on your insurance. So rather than having, you know, waiting on hold with a brick and mortar on a Saturday afternoon that might be closed or waiting on hold with your carrier, you can reach out to Surex, get a new quote. Oh, okay. Uh, this Toyota Corolla is going to cost you X and they can get deals done faster. So we've been able to help auto dealerships just by our value proposition of speed and getting deals done quickly. Right. So yeah, you basically, it's at the point of need, essentially, in that case, because I just bought a car for my daughter and one that was a little bit better on like a used car that was better on fuel. And yeah, we just had go sat down with the guy afterwards and she picked up the plate she wanted and was done. So back to the financial advisor for a second. So I know that there's some mortgage brokers that have had very good success, especially even in the last year with partnering with financial planners. And the key is what you guys have done is Tune into what's in it for me, WIFM. What's in it for the financial advisor? How are you solving their problems, removing pain points for them? And so one of our guys, Jeff Mudrick, is like, he's probably going to do better this year than last year. Last year, he had a fantastic year. And most of his business last year came from realtors. This year's financial planners. And it's because he has positioned himself to say, hey, I will monitor these mortgages for you, for your clients. So what he does is he approaches a financial planner, builds a relationship, says, You've got all these people that have mortgages. You put them in a spreadsheet. You don't have to give me their name. You don't have to give me their personal details. I will monitor the rate, the maturity. And if there's an opportunity to save money, I'm going to tell you what to say to the client. So you can send them an email. They look like the hero because now the yep. financial advisor who can say, hey, look, I think we can save you some money on your mortgage, reaches out to the client. And then they pass that off to him. And he's been getting a ton of referrals this way. And so he's thinking about the financial planner. They're like, hey, how do I show value? Maybe the stock market's all over the place and I'm not sure how that's going to do. I need a reason to reach out. If I'm the financial planner, you make them look like the hero and now you get to win by default. And so that you guys do the same thing with your financial planners is you make them look like the hero by saving them 200 bucks a month, this scenario. And now all of a sudden, everybody wins. You nailed so it. It's that old quote, it's amazing what can happen when no one takes the credit, right? If you are saying it's not about us, it's about, you know, building that relationship and adding value to the partner. And that's exactly what I tell my team all the time is make the partners look like the hero. We don't want the credit in that. We want them to get all the credit because now they're going to tell their friends, hey, my financial advisor has this hookup for insurance. It's sick. He's going to get more clients because his client had a great experience and yeah, give them all the glory. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, the key thing here is to really pay attention to these people that have lists or people that would be your ideal client. 
and you've got to frame any of what you do in their benefit. And I love that. It was a quote. I haven't heard that quote in a long time, but I think it was Ronald Reagan who said, it's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't mind who gets the credit. And that who was, have, yeah, I think yeah. so. At least that's who I remember, but I could be wrong. And I think it's a great way to think about these things because who cares? At the end of the day, you know, you can build a great business if you don't mind who gets the credit and make the financial planner look like the hero, right? Make the auto dealer look like the hero because, hey, I've got an insurance guy sitting here. You don't even have to go anywhere. You just show up and sit down. And it's like, oh, great, you know, solve their problem for them and everybody wins. And so we as mortgage brokers need to be thinking about that more often. And especially in the current market where we need to get creative, you know, there's not as many real estate deals happening. I mean, they'll come back, like they're definitely down in terms of transactions. So I think it's a great idea. Any other sort of advice for going after these like Dream 100 clients that you guys have done so well? And maybe not so much advice about going after them, what happens after you've established that relationship. And I think the biggest thing is reporting. The number one thing when clients send you business, they kind of want to know how it went. Did you follow up? How did they respond to that? And so that's something we put a lot of effort in. And I think we need to even do a better job. And I'll give you an example. Within our financial advisors, we have automation built in that says, when they get a quote with us, we just send an email trigger. And it's not elaborate. It's not a big thing, but it just says, hey, Mr. Referral Agent, your client, you know, Scott got a quote with us. So at least they know, hey, I positioned the referral. They followed through it that they got a quote. If they buy a policy from us, we give them that exact same messaging again. Hey, Scott bought a policy from us. This is a trigger to them because if they bought insurance, it usually means there is a savings there. So now, you know, it triggers them to follow up. Hey, you got a policy. Did you save some money? Oh, you saved 75 bucks. That's awesome. Did you know if you invested that $75 into this, it could compound to 150,000 over the next 20 years, right? So it allows them to position their core offering because of that reporting. And so in addition to that, we provide weekly and monthly reports you know, as more of a macro to just summarize sales activities, let them know about closing rates. And so it is a little extra work where we benefit, obviously, being a bigger organization. So we have a reporting team that builds those automations, which is incredibly helpful. But if you are a local broker, take the 10 minutes to go back to your referral partners and say, this is where I am at with your clients. This is what I'm doing. When there's positive outcomes, let them know about it because it's telling your referral partners that they're in good hands, that you're doing all the extra work, you're keeping them in the loop and it's just going to build confidence in that partnership. And so they'll you know, obviously send you more business the more they trust you. Right. Reminds me of we do coaching with mortgage brokers. I always use the analogy of, you know more about what's happening with your pizza that you order from Domino's and you do your mortgage. Like they have this Domino's yeah. pizza tracker, you know, <laughs> exactly. pizza is like pizza's being prepared. It's being put in the oven. It's being, you know, this guy is hitting on his coworker. Oh, pizza's yeah. being checked. It's being cut. It's being delivered. And like the first time I saw that, I was just blown away. I'm like, this is the coolest thing for a $30 pizza. I literally know exactly what's happening with it. And I think that goes back to if you're going to build these Dream 100 relationships is that you need to have some mechanism to give people updates. So back to my agent, Jeff, one of the things, so he has a spreadsheet. So these financial planners, if they got, you know, they'll have 100 mortgages in a spreadsheet. There's no address. There's no client name. There's just mortgage amount, interest rate, maturity date, balance, you know, and estimated property value. And then he uses that as a way to like monitor, oh, this one here looks like we can save money. And then in most cases, a financial planner then will say, okay, yeah, talk to my client, you know, Jeff Hill. Looks like we can save them money. So and smart. So, yeah. 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 It works really, really well. So any last advice on building these kind of partnerships? 
The last thing I would say is obviously if you have that dream 100 list, let's say you go after a, a financial advisor firm and you talk to kind of the owner principal guy and he's got a team of 20. The most important thing is once you've got the first yes and they say, yeah, let's bring you on. That's when the real work begins. And we've seen this in the mortgage broker space. Obviously we have a big brokerage that says, yeah, let's try out. We'll use you on expert. Now your job is to do your best to establish relationships with each of those agents, each of those brokers in a brokerage and just reach out, go for coffee, go for lunch and really just reach out and establish a relationship so that even though the organization's bought in, you know, the boots on the ground at every level kind of know who you are. They know the value you can bring. And now you've established that relationship of trust, which is key for them to say, here's my client. It was hard for me to get that client going to pass them over to you to provide additional value. And that takes trust and it takes relationships. And I don't think there's a shortcut for that. I think it is just, you know, jumping on a quick call. It's going for coffee. It's going for lunch and just reporting back to them when they send you business so that they know exactly the efforts you took to take care of their clients. Right. Give them visibility. You guys are listening to this. A really easy way to partner with you guys is you're built right into Phylogix as well as right into Finmo. So as you guys are going through the loan process, you can click a button. It'll send off the pertinent details to you guys. You guys can then shop that. And there's also an opportunity for you guys to make a little bit of money on it, but also it's taking care of your client. And I think, you know, it's something we're going to look into. You know, you can't find logics. You can actually even do this on previous files. So ones that have been closed. So like, what if on the renewal, you're saving 200 bucks on their insurance a month? Right. So anytime you're doing a renewal, you can be like, hey, why don't we get this checked as well? So we're checking your interest rate. Maybe it's going up because your last mortgage was lower. Maybe there's an opportunity to offset that by, you know, getting a better deal on the insurance. So just, you know, plant that seed in the back of your head. And then that's something you guys can do. And if you're not using Phylogix or Finmo, you can also go to you guys directly, right? Yeah, we have an affiliate link platform. So we set you up with a dedicated UTM. So if you share that with your clients, we're able to track that through. We don't get the same data transfer that we get through the platforms where, you know, we're getting 40, 50, 60% of the client data in the API hit, but it's still a worthwhile program. We have a lot of brokers that are on other platforms that have been able to leverage that. So if, right. if awesome. it's interesting to you, yeah, we have a solution. Go check them out. So surex.com. Thanks, Jeff, for chatting with me, man. And congrats on your all your success. Appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. All the best. Hey, thanks again for listening. And hopefully you walked away with a couple ideas or insights for your mortgage business. If you want to go check out ilovemortgagebrokering.com, we have a free power search tool that lets you search all of our past episodes. Go there, you can set it up, and it's very powerful. Search is 500 plus shows, and I will see you on the next show. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.